Good morning. This is Word Made Flesh, the radio ministry of Neighbors of Hope. We'll share struggles and triumphs and how through the Word, everyone can experience the loving and healing reality of Christ's compassion. Now here's the Neighbors of Hope Executive Director, Pastor Stephen Palmer, with this week's Word. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of Word Made Flesh. Um, how are you, Mark? Good. How are you, Tim? Good. All right. We're kind of short today. A lot of things happening um, with our other residents. But uh, it's, it's been a couple weeks since we've had a, uh, a fresh episode of Word Made Flesh. Uh, part of that, uh, let our listening audience be aware, is because I've been out of town. Uh, but it's good to be back. And on this edition of Word Made Flesh, Mark, you, uh, you, you wanted to dive into the book of Job. It's always a fascinating story, a very challenging narrative. For, the, for those of us uh, following Christ, uh, for the human being in general, because uh, it has some challenges to some, some of our uh, presuppositions on uh, good versus evil, right, wrong, you know, what, what, uh, how is justice defined, all those type of things. But uh, uh, You've asked to uh, read from uh, the 10th chapter of Job, verses 1 through 13. So could you do that for us, please? Yeah. I both my very life, therefore I will give free reign to my complaint and, sp- and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I say to God, do not, de- do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charges you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see me as a, as, as a mortal sees me? Are your days like those of a mortal or your years like those of a strong man that you, that you must, must search out my faults and probe after my sin? Though you know that I am not guilty and that no one can rescue me from your hand, your hand shaped me and made me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? Do not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese or clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You gave me life and showed me kindness and in your providence washed over my spirit. But this is what you concealed in your heart and I know this was in your mind. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, quite an accusation. What a challenging accusatory statement of uh, Job toward God. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, we'll, we'll read the rest of Job. We'd say, well, you know, it might be more pointed toward yourself uh, in the long run. But um, go ahead. Why don't you share with our listening audience, Mark, why... Uh, why I think each of us in our personal stories can relate to what Job, what, what Job is going through right now. Um, maybe people going through better times I would just put my nose of that and say, maybe it's blameless and upright after all. Well, he's committing the sin of pride. And which, it, you know what? Um, I think what, what, what Job is rightly confused at, at the moment um, is that cause when, when, we're, when things are going really well, we tend to think that we are that we have the wheel, 
the things we are the masters of our own creation right now. And um, they can always they can always go back. You can always get worse. And when people try to criticize the Bible, they'll come up with the most nightmarish possible case scenarios for you know how God's not good. Not how the Bible does not have answers, but uh, I think there is an there is an answer in throughout the Book of Job, and probably going into a class Ecclesiastes, and in the New Testament when, when Jesus was talking, when the disciples asked him about who had the greater sin, or the guy who fell off a off a tower, he said. These people have any greater sin than you? No. But if you don't repent and turn, that if you live, live a whole life, yet you're not going to live a real life. I think that is the, what God is telling us here, Job, and later, is that in the midst of this, of your worst, nightmare. Don't, don't presume that God owes you anything. God is God. He's the creator. I'm the creature. And do as he pleases for whatever reason. The Bible also says that whatever he does is for my good and his glory. Including some of those bad things, uh, pain and suffering. Somehow or another, in the midst of it, we can be blinded, confused, disoriented, um, and, and, and fail to recall that maybe even this dark night is good for my soul. Okay. Right. Anything you want to throw on there, Tim? Yeah, because I think if we go look at something that's going, that pretty much all of us are affected by is, is loss. Hmm. You know, a lot of us have, especially in today's world, we've experienced loss in a lot of different ways. If it wasn't from, you know, heroin, people ODing in our lives, or wasn't, you know, from, you know, loss of child, their early birth. We see that we've seen a lot more of that lately. And I think that to, to I guess, to blame God for that, to, to challenge Him, and to, when you feel like you've been doing everything in your life that's right, and to say and ask him why he did that, to, to presume that that was because you did something wrong, is I think the wrong way to look at it. You know, just I think events in life just happen, and they and should they always be questioned with a why. And I think very Mark, we spend a lot of time sometimes questioning so much that we start we start analyzing it to the point where we very bitter, we blame people, and become angry, and we go through that grieving process, and sometimes we let it get to us to the point where we become very ill, very sick, and instead of taking it as, as something that happened, it's sad, it's painful, we went through a struggle, but we can come out on top of it, we can look at look at the good within the, within the bad. Yeah, um, 
it, it, it's almost as if we have, as both of you mentioned, we kind of have these these assumptions about God. Yeah. And um, sometimes we are so glued to our assumptions that we become arrogant about that. And you're right, we see that in the New Testament of Jesus and kind of religious uh, authorities. And uh, here, you know, when we read the book of Job, the very first sentence in that that whole book, you know, speaking about Job as a God-fearing, upright, and righteous man, right? Um, who shunned evil. And then some bad things happen. He loses family. He loses his wealth. He loses pretty much everything. And those are the type of losses you're talking about. I mean, yeah, you, you know, if you're, right, your children die, you know, and, uh, your wife starts cussing you out, and that kind of turns against you. you. You're feeling awfully alone. And then you have these three good friends who are theologians. <laughs> they are, right? And they're going to come and tell you, look it, you've obviously done something wrong. God is a just God. God is a good God. And you were a man of integrity and uprightness and shunned evil, but these bad things wouldn't be happening to you if you hadn't done something. So if we jump back to chapter 8, or this chapter 10 is couched in between two of those theologians. Chapter 8, you have Balad, who's telling Job, you need to repent. And then Zophar afterwards, right, is, uh, you know, you need to confess your guilt. This, this is advice he's getting from his good church friends after he just lost his family and he's lost all right that's so, how, now, now put yourself in that position that's awful lonely and the only person you think that could be your advocate is the one part of you is thinking brought this on you I, I just want you and our listening audience to put this in perspective do you get any lonelier in this big old world than that and so there is what you were talking about, this sense of powerlessness. And out of that powerlessness, we want to kind of be our masters of our own creation. Or where do I, where do I find my empowerment when I've lost everything and everyone, including maybe my God? So Job shakes his fist at God and says, I want to talk to my accuser. And you're right, he puts out these laments about, uh, look it, I know you're good, you poured me out like milk, but now you're... You know, you're turning me like uh, like cottage cheese. Um, and I know you have a purpose for all this, but I have to tell my theologian friends that I have not done anything wicked. And, and, and God, if there's wickedness, you need to point it out to me. You know, and we're all guilty of maybe, you know, those unintentional sins, those, those sins we're not aware of, right? Uh, as opposed to the intentional ones. But if we read further, I mean, uh, even in chapter 10, Job wants to, he tells his, his theologian friends and even God, leave, leave me alone. I'm alone anyways. I'll spend out the rest of my days this way. I'm okay with that. Just everybody away from me. So he's, he's hurt, you know, and, and there is some bitterness rising here. And, and you're right. Sometimes we cling to when we have a loss in our, our family, we, uh, we lose a loved one. Uh, to to an overdose, 
and uh, that, that, that hurts enough and it can lead to a sense of uh, because of our, our powerlessness that we may be embittered uh, okay. and that bitterness takes root and it, it does affect yeah. the rest of the well-being of my life but should we, should we even go deeper with it on it's less about we read like you said further in these chapters it's less about Job because he's confused, he's lost. Like I said, he's alone. But it's more about the community. It's about his closest people were not there for him. They blamed him for his own problems instead of really helping him. They told him to find there, figure it out. Instead of walking with him to figure what's going on and why is these things happening with him? Why he's going through this? And so should that be what we should be focusing on as a community is Stop letting our brothers and sisters stumble all the time and be there to pick them up when they do. And, and yes, and I think sometimes we accompany our, our brothers and sisters uh, and even self uh, in, a, in a, a grounding of our presumptions. Because there is an undercurrent in this entire book of Job uh, that this book of wisdom is really trying to convey. And uh, that, that commonality is what we would call retributive justice. And when when uh, Bilad wants him to uh, repent, you know, and Zophar says, look at your guilt deserves punishment. And Job's like, but I haven't done anything. What we're really speaking about is retributive justice. And retributive justice basically says, if you've done something bad, you deserve to be punished. Our criminal justice systems you know, here in the United States, functioning a lot on that. If you're found guilty, then the, the court has a right, a moral obligation, even a right to punish you. If you're innocent, you're free to go, right? Um, so out of that, we we have the old thing. Well, you know, bad things therefore shouldn't happen to good people. And if we get to the end of Job, we start realizing, even in all of his theologian friends, that maybe. If we subscribe to retributive justice, then we're going to treat our hurting brother or sister in a from that perspective. Well, what if we change our perspective? Will it alter how we treat them? But I'm scared to change my perspective because this is the way I interpret God. And therefore, if this is the way God wants it, then God also must be a retributive justice God and only punishes bad people. Or if we see people who are going through hardships in life, they must have sinned. At the end of the book of Job, that's refuted. Thank you to our listening audience. Uh, so until we meet again, may God's grace, peace, love, and joy be with you all. Thank you for listening to Word Made Flesh. Neighbors of Hope brings people hope through a comprehensive suite of Christ-centered programs that include the Men's Ministry, Blessings and More Resale Store, our Third Day Farm Project, Fishes and Loaves Food Pantry, and of course, our radio ministry, Word Made Flesh. We're also in the process of establishing a women's and children's transitional housing program. Find out how you can become a neighbor of hope at neighborsofhope.com. And please join us again next Sunday morning for Word Made Flesh.